nobody really talks about essential mindsets for coaches, scrum masters, and agile leaders. So let's do it this week on the Badass Agile Podcast. Greetings, team. Welcome to the Badass Agile Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and for your consistent and eternal support. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. I have an announcement for you. As you know, we've already started a Badass Agile chapter in the Netherlands. And we're doing some exciting things, learning and growing, and planning for the future of Badass Agile. We want to extend that to some chapters in the United States. So I'm doing an open call in the following markets. Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. New York City, New York. San Francisco, California. Washington, D.C. And Boston, Massachusetts. If you'd like to lead or be part of a Badass Agile chapter in that area, email me at contact at badassagile.com by Jan 15, 2020. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, let's pick four core beliefs or mindsets that agile coaches and leaders have to have. But first, let's remember why we're here. To create an elite tribe of leaders who truly serve their clients and communities by doing what matters and what works, relentlessly chasing value and excellence like a badass. There's so many resources out there on what you need to do to be agile but we're focused on who you need to become in order to lead teams. So let's hammer down those fundamentals to create something truly unique in this industry. And remember, guys, if this helps you, tell your friends. These belief systems will radically change how you approach the nature of your work. The first mindset is that opposition is good. One of the things you don't want to create in an agile workspace is a sense of us versus them. So while there will be resistors inside and outside of your team, you know who they are. They're the people I always say don't want to play ball. So the stonewallers, the people who don't believe that agile is a good thing, the people who are resistant to change. And then there's those outside your team, whether that's other teams, whether that's the executive. Now, these people may not be necessarily opposed to agility, but they may be opposed to some of the ways and means so they say they want Agile, but they don't necessarily want to forego extended business cases, as an example. No matter what the condition may be, it's a mistake to treat those people and their opposition as a negative. Because the minute you start framing it as a negative, we treat them as an enemy. There is power in how you think about events and people and conditions. If you create in your mind the sense that that kind of opposition is a bad thing, then you run the risk of creating poor me syndrome, you start negative talk in the team room, you start gossiping, and you create a vibe of resentment. And worse still, you create permission around that vibe of resentment that's sort of felt not seen. Well, here's what. In ancient warrior traditions, warriors were taught to honor and respect their enemy. We have to be a little bit empathetic at times because someone who doesn't get agile is someone who hasn't walked a mile in those shoes yet. They might be new to the game, they may not fully understand, and they may have valid fears about what this kind of change means to their identity, to their job, to their income, to their security. And those things can be a little bit scary. So take a moment right now and think about anybody 
that you may be harboring a grudge or some negative feelings about or against simply because they don't agree with or get your point of view. It takes a while to understand the magic. Now, if you change that mindset of negativity around opposition to one of positivity, and the easiest way to do that is to look at a challenge of opposition or resistance and say, this challenge will make me better. Here's a secret for you. If something truly bothers you, if it really gets you upset and gets you negative, that's a gap for you. So when those things bug you and get under your skin, it's a sign that you've got some work to do. It's an opportunity to get better. It's an opportunity to handle that situation with grace rather than gossip, with dignity rather than anger and resentment. So somebody upstairs doesn't get why you should ditch the BRD? Good. This challenge will make you better. You now have to get better at explaining it to them in a way that they can understand how they can have all the benefit of no BRD, but no risk. Maybe it's not convincing they need, but a little bit of education or a little bit of a demo. And that might be all they need to change the way they think about it. So opposition is good. All challenge, even direct confrontation, represents an opportunity for you to get better. And once you have that skill set under your belt, you become a beacon of leader, behavior, and strength to the people around you. And that can't be bad. All right, the next belief system I want you to look at is that you can't control chaos. This one's so important because it will infect your team in a good way. The most common place you'll experience chaos is in the first eight weeks of a project or program. So as you're settling in, everything's new, everything's unclear, it's all learning. It's during that phase where nothing's going to go the way you want it to. When you run that very first agile training session, or when you run that first, let's say, backlog grooming, for a team that has never done it before, it is not going to go the way you think it is. Picture it. You walk in to help a team that has never built a backlog build their first backlog. They're likely to tell you that there's no way they can manage all of their requirements in one place, that there's no way they can see all the way into the future to create a comprehensive backlog because there's so many dependencies. They might try to tell you that there's no way to prioritize the backlog because it's all important. You may realize halfway through the session that the wrong people are there. You don't have enough people to discuss and create and document a fulsome backlog. Now, how would you have planned for that in advance? You can't. You just have to let things unfold as they will and simply be present and observe the chaos. Why? Because you're going to make it better next time. That's what agility teaches us. Start where you are. Chaos, mayhem, heads exploding, blood running down the street. All of that stuff is where you are right now. Let people feel the fear for a little bit. Let them express all the things that reflect their uncertainty, their doubts, and gently, like a shepherd, start bringing them back to normal, to calm. One important concept in agility, especially in scaling agility, is that you have to start where you are and build up an agile practice that works for you. It is never the same way twice. Because it's never the same way twice, there's no playbook you can run, guys. You have to have your practices and your mindset solid so that you can react to any situation in any condition. Now, perhaps the most important reason to get this mindset solid is because it will inspire other people. So the first time a team goes to do a retrospective, they're not going to know what to do, which way to turn their heads. You want to see that as a teachable moment where you say, that's okay, start with what you know. 
Begin where you are. Share what you can. I will help guide you and give you some direction so that we can do it better next time. But how many times have you run a session like that where you give simple instructions on how to run the demo, how to run the retrospective, or even the stand-up, and someone pulls you aside and says, hey, just to be clear, am I supposed to be doing this or that? Well, if you let everyone in the room empty their uncertainty tank before you run the meeting, the meeting is going to start late and it's going to end late where you're not going to get to the results that you wanted. Let it be chaotic. Let it suck the first time, the first two times. Because the truth of the matter is, and this is the real heart of the mindset, you don't have a choice. You couldn't control chaos if you tried. So let everything scatter where it will and begin organizing the pieces. How? In priority fashion. Just like you would attack a backlog. So when a team starts out, they're going to be all over the map. Fix the most important problems first and then grow from there. All right, this next belief goes straight to the heart of courage. Believe that you want the challenge. Easy stuff is boring. Routine everyday stuff is boring. You're not going to stretch that way. But when someone asks you a difficult question, don't avoid it. When there's difficult conflict that nobody wants to handle, take it on. Put your hand up and say, I want the challenge. You know what I mean, the elephant in the room, the task that nobody wants to tackle, the task that everyone believes is beneath them, the problem that we believe can't be solved, the difficult conversation. Put your hand up and say, I want the challenge, because as we discussed before, the challenge makes you better. Now, if you can exhibit that behavior, other people will follow. That's infectious. That gets people fired up. And hey, listen, if there's no challenges in your team room this week, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Look for the hard stuff and lean into it. Delight in the challenges that make you better. Now, here's the last belief that I think can really help people. When there are challenges, things blow up. Let's say there's a critical mistake or failure, a customer super unhappy. You've learned about some change that's coming your way. The sooner you react, the better. Somewhat related to the last point of jumping on challenges, the sooner you attack and address a problem, the better everything tends to go. Now, this is counter to most people's beliefs. Because if there's a real problem, people want to take it away and strategize and plan. And yes, a plan is a good thing. But remember, we believe in minimal upfront planning. But for some reason, we fail to apply it to real challenges, to real conflict. But I think we should. A lot of things can go wrong when you wait. If you've ever been really unhappy as a customer and you send in a support ticket or you place a support call, you're a little more delighted if they call you back right away. But if they call you back in 48 hours, even if they fix the problem for you, where does your mind go while you're sitting around waiting for a solution? Does it go negative? Sure it does. Because if you want your teams to feel safe, and that includes your clients and your actual teammates, the best way to give them that is to show them through example that you don't back down from challenges. You don't avoid. Because when you avoid challenges, you look like you're afraid. You look like you don't know what to do. And that's not a quality that we want in our leaders. Worse still, sometimes when you leave things and don't jump on them right away, we forget. We lose some of the context. We make people repeat themselves. We act like we don't care. If you look carefully at these four belief systems, you'll realize they're all linked by a common theme. 
that the best way to conduct yourself is to simply act. Don't seek to control chaos. Don't look for things to be easy. Don't shy away from the hard challenges and don't wait before you respond to a changing landscape. Now here's what I want you to do this week. Take these four beliefs. Write them down on a piece of paper that you carry with you in the front of your notebook or put them on your computer or your smartphone as a note. Make it something that you have to look at every day and find a way to implement one of those four things each day of the week. Bonus points if you find a way to tick all four every single day for five days straight. That means you need to be looking for situations where opposition comes up. You need to be looking for situations where people are over-planning to compensate for the unknown. You have to look for situations where there's a hard job that nobody seems to want to do. And you have to look for problems that are starting to go stale because nobody's addressing them. And you need to act. You can also bring it up with your team when it happens. And you can say, hey, guys, here's a teachable moment. Watch what happens if you try to control chaos versus not trying to control chaos. And then you can teach it as you address it in a live situation. As always, let me know how it goes. Folks, thank you for listening. You can reach out at badassagile.com. You can send me your questions at contact at badassagile.com. And find me on Twitter at badass underscore agile. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay badass.